0: everyone. Welcome back. So initially I thought that I would do two separate videos, but today I decided that I wanted to combine yesterday's Halloween stories with the ones that I'm doing today. So if you already listened to yesterday's video, I'll provide a timestamp so you can skip to the new ones. But for anyone who hasn't listened to yesterday's video, you now have almost an hour of Halloween stories that you can listen to. Also, some of these stories feature sexual assault, which I know are pretty dark and disturbing, and that some people don't like stories like that. I'll have those stories labeled down in the timestamps, just in case you want to skip them. And before I close out this intro, remember, if you ever want to send your story, you can send it at southerncannibal.com. Let's get started, and remember to always stay. my husband and I lived with our young children in an apartment complex. As the years went on, this apartment complex started to attract sketchy people. Having lived in these apartments for years, we didn't know anyone who went trick-or-treating in them. We had never had anyone knock on our door on Halloween. Well, one Halloween in question, when my kids were old enough to go trick-or-treating, my husband and I decided to take them to a neighborhood near the apartments. Everything went smooth, and we were only going to knock on a couple of more doors on our way out of the neighborhood, then back to our apartment. All of a sudden, there was a police helicopter circling over the neighborhood with its spotlight on, shining all around us. There was someone over the speaker shouting, Police! Come out with your hands up! This had repeated multiple times. We hurried out of the neighborhood, not really sure what was going on. We arrived back to our apartment, settling down then getting the kids in bed. My husband then realized that we hadn't had dinner, so I ran out to grab something for us and then returned with our food. We got our food set out on the table, and all of a sudden we heard pounding on our door. It wasn't knocking, it was pounding. We ignored it. Then moments later, we heard that same pounding and it was even louder the second time. It was around 9.30 at night while this was happening. Most people are done trick-or-treating at that point, and most kids are in bed. And keep in mind, we never had anyone knock on our door on Halloween in all the years that we lived there. We both got a bad feeling. My husband hurried to the door to make sure it was locked, and then asked through the closed door, ''Yeah, who is it?'' We then got the response, ''Trick-or-treat.'' But the voice was that of a grown male. My husband just responded back with, Uh, yeah, we don't have any candy. Then we just stood there for about a minute or so. We didn't hear or see anything else after that. We both went and peered through the window, and the man was gone. Unfortunately, I don't have any further information about who that guy was, what he wanted, or if he was the one that the police wanted. But I got the most terrifying feeling when he pounded on our door that night that I never ever want to experience again. Before I start this story, I'm going to give you some background information. My name is Alice, and I live in a shitty area in Ohio. I recently turned 16 in July, and I was visiting my brother. We were carving pumpkins as we've done that every year for as long as I can remember. I won't bore you with too many details, but I and my brother, who's 23, who we'll call Zach, decided to go trick-or-treating despite our ages, as we thought it would be a last year deal since we were never close growing up due to family issues. I went to his place on Halloween just an hour before trick-or-treating started. We got ready and we headed out as soon as it became the hour to trick-or-treat. We walked down his entire block, which is pretty long. So, as expected, we got our bags filled and were tired. After we departed and I went back to my house, it was that time of the month, if you know what I mean, and I was craving some chocolate. I reached into my candy bag and I grabbed a Snickers bar, and I barely even chewed it due to the taste. It didn't taste normal. It tasted awful, and now I know this wasn't the best decision, but I have animals that I really worry for, so I ran to the bathroom spitting the candy in the toilet. About 45 minutes later, I was watching some random Netflix movie. I started to feel really weird and like I was in a daze of some kind. I was a bit scared, as I had never felt like that before. I was shaking like crazy, and I lost control of my speech. I woke up my grandma, which had worried her as it was after midnight. She couldn't understand me, because like I had mentioned, I had lost control of my speech and I sounded like a drunken idiot. My grandma immediately got up, and then rushed to get dressed. I knew that if she drove me, I wouldn't get there fast enough, and I should also mention that I have a leaking heart valve. So i dialed 911 for help the paramedics said that i was probably just having an anxiety attack but i knew this couldn't have been the case as no anxiety attack i've ever had was ever this bad they loaded me into the ambulance while my family was on their way to meet us there while in the ambulance i was still shaking and i was barely staying awake i kept losing consciousness and my heart rate was as high as 170 which is really extreme for me as it's usually in the 70's to 90's range. The paramedics got me to the hospital safely though. The nurses at the hospital questioned me about everything, and as I explained the best that I could for my fucked up state of mind, my grandma then came in and stayed with me while they did an EKG on me, as well as x-rays, which neither were a problem. My grandma then spoke up to the doctor and asked if I could do a urine sample which was agreed on. Less than 30 minutes passed, and the doctor came back and told us that there was THC found in my body, which, for those of you who don't know, is tetrahydrocannabinol, also known as a chemical in marijuana. I was thrown back by this, as I had never touched marijuana before in my life, which has me to believe that the candy was definitely laced. I soon called Zach to tell him what happened, And to get rid of that candy as soon as possible. I know that this might not be like every other scary story on here, but I wanted to share this with as many people as possible, because this really is something that happens on Halloween, and you really never know what could happen. Please, everyone, be safe on your Halloween, and also please check your children's candy. It's absolutely terrifying that people do this, so please be careful. I recalled how my mom always made sure our grandmother felt safe on Halloween. You never know what can happen, and she was always careful to be sure she was safe, and we would go to her house to be with her if she ever opened the door and gave out candy, and we would also spend some time with her that night until the time had passed for the trick-or-treaters to have come. No one was supposed to come after 10 p.m. in our city. I recalled that fondly, and now that I'm grown, offered my elderly neighbor the same. I would spend the evening having a couple of soft drinks and chatting with her at the kitchen table. She didn't want to participate, so I told her our plan. We would turn out the porch lights, lock up the doors tightly, and just talk in low tones in the kitchen with the low light on inside. It was clear that we weren't inviting the Halloweeners. At first, the front doorbell rang and a rather large group came by with parents at about 7 p.m. That was the last and first group that ever really came by. Our neighborhood has every age group, really, but most of the kids went to parties and church functions, as well as our zoo and other places that held events for the kids. It had gotten rather quiet the last several hours, but I stayed and we talked. My neighbor is 87 years old and a lot of fun, And we talked about everything and we just laughed and sipped our cokes and the night was totally quiet after the kids had come in that group at seven i was thinking i'd just walk back across the street in about a minute or two i live three houses down and across the street and i had brought my car too you know so it wouldn't be creepy walking home and i could just drive into my garage when we said goodbye i was just about to wrap up our visit when suddenly I heard a very light knock at the side door to the house. She has a steep front porch and she lives up on a hill and she had no kids come for hours. No one ever knocks lightly, anyway. She also had a doorbell on the front door and the back as well that worked. It seemed weird. So we hushed our conversation and I then walked just in front of her side door and then said almost angrily, ''Yeah, can I help you?'' At that, I heard a fist turn the brass knob on our security door, then left, then right to see if it had been left open. I don't even think they could hear me in the house at all. They were out there, and they were seeing if we had forgotten to lock our door. Now, I wasn't about to venture out there and figure out who this was, and we weren't answering the door anyway. I knew the shades on the door didn't allow anyone to see inside, so we just waited and listened and no other sounds came. Nothing bad really happened, but I had failed to wear my pistol on me. I have my concealed carry license. I normally carry, but I had stupidly come over without it on during the Halloween night of all times. I could have needed it that night, and I then realized that as we sat there silently listening for their next move, but we were in the kitchen by a complete knife block anyway. And next year, I'll be sure to drop over to be with my elderly neighbor once again. You can be sure of that. Only next time, I'll definitely be sure to be armed. Stay safe, everyone, and enjoy the spooky season. There's this trail near my house that my mom and I often ride bikes on. The trail was plotted and built sometime in the 2010s nothing too out of the ordinary has really happened when my mom and I are on the trail, aside from a few close calls with careless bikers and some people every now and then that just give off creepy vibes. What I'm gonna tell you about today though is something rather strange. So the two of us used to go a different route sometimes than the one we usually take now. The path that we usually go on now is just overall much more pleasant and mostly goes through fields and forested areas, but the way that we used to go cut through intersections and neighborhoods at some points. One day when we used to go this other way, we noticed a bunch of stuff that looked like Halloween decorations hanging up in the trees not too far from one of those intersections. First of all, the trail is owned by the city, so you can't just go vandalizing it like that. Second, I don't even think this was around Halloween. Also, this wasn't just any Halloween decor. I mean, sure, there was some normal stuff, like a zombie-looking thing hanging from a power line and a few other things near it, but what we found to be even more strange was that there were baby dolls which were a bit further away. They were all dirty and very disfigured, and some of them had missing limbs. There were also some in cages, too. I remember one cage held a doll that was ripped apart and there weren't just a few dolls, there were around 15 or more. There were also life-sized plastic body parts just hanging around, like literally a pair of legs jammed into the side of a tree. This isn't even the weirdest part though. There were also children's shoes hanging from a string as a garland sort of thing, and it was strung between two trees. There were also a few more shoes like these lying about, along with a couple of tricycles, My mom and I were thoroughly and very obviously creeped out by this, and at different times we saw a few other people stop there who were equally concerned. We really wanted to find out who was behind this grotesque display. A few days later, we saw a maintenance man doing his job on the trail, so we alerted him of the situation and we told him where it was, and he said he'd check it out. It was only weeks later when my mom discovered the true culprit and then she told me about it later that day when I was home. I don't know why, but I wasn't with her today. Of course. She was riding her bike as she always did, going the same way, when, as she passed the sight of the strange decorations, she saw a man walking and carrying a large bucket not too far from it. My mom has a phenomenal sense of intuition, so she stopped to ask the man what he was doing. My mom described the man as short and fat, and probably in his mid-sixties. He had stringy gray hair, and he was bald on top. She instantly got creepy vibes from this guy. She asked him if he was the man who set up all that stuff in the trees, and he said yes. That he was calling it art, and he said it was a hobby of his. My mom said that it was definitely not art, and she told the guy he was creepy. The man replied, claiming that, well, some people like it, and he tried acting like it was nothing. Yeah, who on earth would think this is normal? I mean, like I said, it wasn't even October or around Halloween. My mom told him again that she thought he was weird, and then sped off. She told me that this guy had a smug grin on his face the whole time she spoke with them. What a freak. No telling what kind of psycho this man truly is, or what he actually hides back at his house. I've always wondered about those shoes and bikes, and where he got them from. I really wish I would have been there to protect my mom if something would have happened, but I'm so glad nothing did. Thank God for that. Also, thankfully the stuff has since been taken down, and there's no sign of the weirdo after this incident. It was Halloween of 2022. I was a freshman in high school. Halloween was on a Monday, and we had school the next day, so we really couldn't be staying up until 10 outside, and we needed to be home around 10 as well. For the sake of privacy, I'll call my friends by letters. My friend D had a history of throwing parties. Since it was a school night, he only invited about 10 people over for Halloween. We all decided we would trick-or-treat only for about an hour and then come back for a scary movie. We set off at about 6.15 and then the first 30 minutes were just a normal every year Halloween experience. This is where the story starts to take a turn. The neighborhood was huge, so the group ended up splitting up. Three of my friends went to a different part of the neighborhood. The first part of the story I'll tell from my friend C's point of view as I wasn't present for it. C and my other two friends, K and J, rolled up on a house where there was nobody home, but there were some really cool decorations and a bowl of candy on the doorstep. All three of them decided to hide behind the decorations and then scare the trick-or-treaters. They did so for about 15 minutes, before J and K decided to head back to meet up with the rest of us. C then decided to stay and try and scare one more trick-or-treater. Little did he know that the next trick-or-treater would be one to remember. C was hiding behind a skeleton when he saw some creepy guy then walk up. He was wearing a clown mask that looked to be like one of the ones from Dollar Tree and he was also wearing what looked to be an old raggedy white t-shirt with black sweatpants. The guy looked to be around the age of about 18 and he was alone trick-or-treating. C did his usual skier and jumped out at the guy. The guy didn't flinch at all and didn't say anything. He just stared at C and then grabbed C's candy bag and began circling in the backyard. How he described it was like something when you're a little kid playing football in the yard and you get hit with a bunch of juke moves. Anyway, C got his bag back and he got around the clown and raced away thinking the guy would get lost. C was in a completely different part of the neighborhood than me and some of my other friends, so before he could tell me anything, I also had my first encounter. The clown must have taken a shortcut, because he ended up coming up to me not too long after his encounter with C. Now, my other two friends, T and A, were sort of laughing at him while he was looking straight at me. I thought he was one of their friends, and they told him to mess with me or something, so I kept trying to talk to him. But he wouldn't talk eventually i gave up and i just let the guy walk ahead of us who the hell was that guy you guys know him i asked tna what they said sort of gave me goosebumps they said they had no idea who he was since he looked so young i didn't really think anything of it until me and c found each other and he then told me what happened i also told him about my encounter as well and the whole group decided to go back to the house, as it was around 7 at this point. Now, D's house had a side basement entrance, and since we were in the basement and might go back outside at any time, we didn't lock it. After about 10 minutes, the door busted open, and it was the clown guy walking in with what looked to be a gun. We all jumped and started screaming, but we realized from closely looking that the gun he had was fake. He went up to Kay and tried stealing his candy, but had dropped his bag at the basement steps, and C then picked it up and ran outside. The clown followed C up a hill, and he seemed very mad. He was getting very aggressive at this point, putting his hands on C, so C gave the candy back, wanting no more trouble. The clown then ran away from the house without saying a word. I figured the dude was probably just trying to scare us, but the fact that he followed us home and busted in without knocking still didn't sit right with me. We went back inside for about 30 or so minutes before we heard knocking on the basement door. It was still prime trick-or-treating time. I opened the door, and nobody was there. Me and C started to realize that maybe this guy wasn't so dangerous after all, or so we thought. We then decided to try and find him outside, and tell him to stop messing with us and go home. After about 15 minutes of searching, we then saw him eerily standing in someone's backyard. We went up to him, but he ran away from us. We saw him once again, and he was in a different person's yard this time. This time, however, he was sitting down with his bag facing us, and he had the clown mask off. We couldn't see his face, but it seemed that he had been running a lot and needed to catch his breath. Hey, why are you running? I screamed out to him. He didn't turn. He just put his mask back on and just walked near us. I started to get a really uneasy feeling now that he was no longer running away from us, but now slowly walking toward us. Out of nowhere, he starts running towards a random group of trick-or-treaters, looking to scare them, I think. But before he reached them, he then tripped and then face-planted right in the road. Such a terrible way to express himself as the guy trying to scare people. We just laughed at him, but that would be the last time I laughed that night. He got up and started walking away. Not even near us, but he seemed defeated. We were trying to find out who the hell this guy was as he was now walking on the side of the road. Then out of nowhere... A car pulled up and then stopped in the middle of the road. The car was small and black, and across the front windshield it had strange letters that looked to be in some sort of different language. The clown then jumped in the front seat of the car, and I saw with the driver a gun, and this time I knew it wasn't fake. He pointed out the window to me and C, and we both ran faster than we ever had back to the house. We didn't have any more trouble for the rest of that night and we'll never know who it was that was really behind that mask, or why he did what he did. That night could have gone wrong in so many different ways. Moral of the story is don't investigate something creepy that you think will be okay, because you really never know what can happen. Stay safe out there everyone, and happy Halloween. My friend Sean has neighbors who own this big forest next to their farm. His neighbors don't mind him going into the forest so long as he doesn't go onto their farm. Today Sean invited some friends and I, Zach, Carl, and Declan. We arrived at around 5pm. We had played some basketball for a while until Zach said that we should go into the forest since it was getting dark and that it would be something spooky to do since it's almost Halloween. We walked up to the long pathway to the forest surrounded by a short electrical fence. Once we reached the entrance to the forest, we noticed that the landowner had put up a fence to the entrance. It was electrical, but there was a way past it. Sean and Declan went up ahead, while Carl, Zach, and I then walked in just a minute after them. As soon as we entered, we couldn't see Sean or Declan anywhere. Zach and Carl were walking and talking about the weird mushrooms that were on the ground, until we heard this weird laughter. It was nothing like Sean or Declan's voice, so we knew it wasn't them. A second later, I see Sean and Declan run out of the forest into the pathway to the next forest. I then told Zach and Carl, and we went on after them. It took us a bit to get out of the forest because Zach got stuck, Once we got out and started walking, I noticed Sean and Declan a little bit behind us. There's no way they could have looped around the entire forest in five minutes. So as soon as I saw them, I got really confused and then pretty scared. Sean and Declan then explained that they had just got out of the forest and they saw a man in a gray jacket somewhere in or around the forest. We got pretty freaked out by this. So we decided to just keep on walking ahead to the next forest sean was talking about an abandoned treehouse further ahead in the next forest so that's what we wanted to see next once we found the entrance a bunch of cows came over the edge of the fence next to us and they just started staring at us the cows didn't make a sound they just stared at us zach went in first and i followed after him while everyone was talking I noticed a dark figure at the very end of the forest. I told Declan, but the dark figure was gone as soon as I looked back. Zack walked into the other entrance and found a white bag with blood in it and a ripped sticker. There were also needles and blood smeared all over the trees. Zack refused to go any further after seeing that, and the rest of us all agreed that we should get back home and get the hell out of there. Carl was walking slightly ahead of us and he apparently saw the dark figure in the distance. Pretty much the whole walk back, we just felt like we were being watched, but nothing else happened aside from that. Thank God. My name is Shelby, and this incident happened on Halloween in 1998. I was 18 years old at the time and I had been invited to an outdoors bonfire that was going to be held at a distant friend of mine's cornfield. For some context, I live in Tiger, Georgia. Tiger is a very small, isolated town from all the other counties. Our population is roughly about 1,300 people, so when a party is talked about, a lot of people will show up, and not just teenagers, but adults, elders, and even kids this certain party though i swear the whole town was there imagine a cornfield and all the corn in it are people yeah cheesy but that's the best way i can describe it anyways back to the story the party was going to start around 5 pm and it was a bring your own beer kind of situation i went alone as i didn't really have many friends i got to the field around 5 30 and there had to have been at least 200 people there just sitting and chilling. There was another cornfield across from the main one, and that's where everyone was parking at. I then parked, got out, and just stood by my car like a snowman, not knowing who I'd see or really what to do, as I'd never went to these before. Finally, I saw my friend whom threw the party in the first place. His name was Jason. Jason was 19, and he seemed like an easygoing guy, but there was something off about him, and I could never really put my finger on it. Jason and I got to talking about this party, and just being amazed at all the people that had shown up, and no telling who else would. We start walking around and head towards where the concession stands were. I can at this point tell that Jason had either been drunk, or had been drinking heavily prior to anyone showing up. While at the concession stand, he starts talking about how there's an old trail out in the woods and that him and his family use it as a trail riding event, but that they quit after all the mud and rough ruts in it were hard to ride on. He then starts talking about how at some time around 6, him and a couple of other friends were going to go walk the trail and see how far they could get on foot without falling or getting lost. He asked me if I would be interested in going to that, as a lot of other girls were going to go as well. I at first felt uneasy, and I thought of it as a real way to get hurt, being how rough the area is, but after he talked to me about it, I felt a little better, and I then agreed to tag along. 6 PM rolls around, and Jason and I start heading towards the trail. It was about 200 yards from the bonfire, so we were in a discreet area. As Jason and I are walking along. I realized that there's about four other guys walking with us, and they had no girls with them. It was literally just Jason and four of his friends. Okay, no big deal, I said in my head. As we're walking, we start to get into the rough parts of the trail, and up over ahead on one of the ruts, I can see what looks like another fire, but this one was much smaller, and there was also some odd death metal music playing. I tap on Jason's shoulder and point while telling him that someone's on his property. He then calmly and creepily replies with, Oh no honey, that's for you. Now at this point I'm slightly feeling anxious and I kinda just brush off what he says. We all get to the small fire and Jason then tells me to take a seat on one of the logs. As I'm sitting down, one of the guys that was with us pulls out a blanket and vodka and then he and the other three guys start taking off their shirts, and they then start pouring each other shots. As I'm watching this in utter confusion, Jason walks over to me, and then says, Alright, the fun is about to begin. I hope you brought an extra pair of clothes. But before I could even comprehend what he said, he picks me up, walks me over to the other guys, and drops me on the blanket. Then him and two other guys hold me down and use zip ties to tie my hands together. At this point, my adrenaline is going haywire, and I start kicking and screaming and trying everything in my power to get out. Jason then punches me full on in my face and then yells, Shut up, bitch! You're ruining our mood! You don't want to do that, because you won't be leaving these woods. They all then surround me and start taking off their pants, as well as telling me how sexy I look. Jason then walks over, and he turns up the music really loud. He then comes back to me and starts trying to yank my pants off of me. I'm still just fighting for my life, and in a glimpse moment, I'm thinking to myself, yeah this is it, I'm gonna be raped and killed here. And somehow, out of pure adrenaline, I manage to get my hands out of the zip ties and then full on punch jason dead in his balls before any of the others could get to me i jumped up and started sprinting as fast as i could throughout the woods i didn't even know where i was going all i could think about was just getting away from there i ran for what felt like an eternity until i finally managed to make it back to the cornfield by this time the bonfire was huge and it was easy to see once again A surge of adrenaline jolts me to start running straight to the fire. Once I get there, there's at least 700 people there hooting and hollering, as well as live music playing and fireworks totally going off. I ran straight to one of the deputies that was standing guard near the parking lot and I then explained everything that happened to him. He could see my nose being busted and my pants ripped along with the zip ties cut into my arm that I wasn't joking. He calls an ambulance for me. And him and four other cops that were there asked me where it took place, as well as who were involved and if they had any weapons. I was so traumatized at the time that I couldn't really speak full sentences. All I could really muster out was Jason and four other guys on the trail, and I then pointed in the direction it was in. They all started going in that direction as a female deputy stayed with me and waited for the ambulance to arrive this incident of course drew a lot of attention and there was about 15 people asking me different questions while also trying to comfort me once the ambulance finally got there they checked me out and they told me i had a broken nose as well as some bad bruising on my wrists and where jason had torn my pants my zipper had actually cut my lower stomach they took me to the hospital and on my ambulance right there The paramedics were asking me what all I remembered, while also comforting me. I honestly couldn't remember much at the time, because it all happened so fast. So to cut everything short, after the doctors fixed me up at the hospital, two investigators came to question me about the incident, and after I had told them everything that had happened, they then told me that they had Jason in custody and that he also had previous charges against him for sexual assault that he had committed, but was still ongoing. As far as the four other guys with him, I found out that they had caught three of them that night, that they had passed out drunk, and that they gave up, I guess, after I ran. Their names were Chad, Brian, and Daniel. And as for the fourth guy that was with them, he was never caught. Jason had ran after me after I ran, but quit due to how drunk he was. All three men were charged with kidnapping, attempted rape, and aggravated assault. I've tried finding their arrest report on our news page, but it was so long ago, I don't think it's up to date anymore. I'm now married, and I don't go out much, and I still have trauma memories that pop up, but therapy has really helped me out a lot. So to all those guys and the fourth guy that never got caught, I really hope all of you rot in hell. I'm a 24-year-old female with strawberry blonde hair, blue eyes, and light freckles. As many girls experience, I was pretty used to getting cat calls from strange men on the street or in stores, but the situation was much, much different this happened to me on halloween of 2019 when i was a junior in college i was 20 years old a few months shy of my 21st birthday my roommates had turned 21 that past summer and they wanted to go out to the bars for hollow weekend they asked me if i would drive them to the bar so they didn't have to uber and i agreed since our other friend who's also 20 said he would be on pickup duty I was hanging out with my boyfriend in his dorm with his friends when they texted me saying they were ready. When I met up with them, they were already tipsy from their pregame, dressed up as the sun and moon. We hopped in my car and I drove them to the bar about 10 minutes away from campus. When I got back on campus, I was really excited to see the spot I parked in was still open. It's parallel parking on a side road and was a closer walk to my dorm than parking in the parking garages. It's important to note that since the streets are not university property, the security cameras on campus don't reach that far. Anyways, I wasn't surprised that there weren't a lot of people out yet. It was still early, about 9pm, and most people start walking to off-campus house parties around 10, as my roommates and I had done plenty of times before. I parked my car and I began my short trek back to my boyfriend's dorm. The night was dark and chilly, and I was wearing an oversized sweatshirt and leggings. Nothing special. I was all alone, no one else around on the sidewalks. I barely paid any mind to the old rusty navy van that was passing me. That is, until I saw it slowly coming to a stop when there was no stop sign or stoplight. I thought to myself how ironic it was for to be a stereotypical pedo van on the prowl on Halloween night, but what really freaked me out was the person who rolled down the window and then shoved their head out from the passenger side window. They were wearing a mask of an old man, which just made the whole thing much worse. I stared at him, still walking, and the van rolled slowly beside me to keep my pace. I figured it was just some college students pulling a prank, since it was Halloween after all. The guy in the old man mask stuck out his arm pointing at me and then gestured for me to go over to him. I just shook my head and kept walking, looking away to show that I wasn't interested in whatever they were trying to do. Hey, I'm talking to you, bitch! Come here! He yelled at me. I was taken aback by this, and I stopped walking turning towards him again. As I did, the sliding door on the side of the van opened up, and two more men wearing those creepy-ass old men masks then appeared, once again calling me a bitch and telling me to get into the van. As much as I hate to say it, all I did was just stand there, frozen. The guys at the open sliding door began to get out of the van towards me. The only thing I can do was just stand there, frozen. Just then, I had heard more voices up ahead of me. Coming down from the hill from campus were a group of about four college guys drunk out of their minds, and they were yelling at the guys in the van. Hey, what the fuck do you think your guys are doing? Get the fuck out of here! Leave her alone! At this, the masked men quickly got in the van and then shut the sliding door as the van took off up the hill. The group of boys then asked if I was okay but all i could do was nod and then quickly walk away to make it back to my boyfriend's dorm i told my boyfriend as well as his friends what had happened and they were livid wanting to go out and see if they could find the van lurking around campus but and i just convinced them not to and to just continue our movie so the next day my boss of my on-campus job convinced me to report it to the campus police and then drove me there as support The officer took my note and checked the cameras, but unfortunately, because it was right off the campus, there was no video footage nor any other reports made of those men in the van, so there really wasn't much they could do, but at least there was a report on file in case those sick fucks decided to come around campus again to harass girls by themselves. I don't really know if it was just some disgusting joke they were trying to pull or if they were actually going to take me and do god knows what. I'm just glad those drunk guys from my college were there to scare them off. Stay safe, and always pay attention to your surroundings. Especially if you're alone. A few years ago, I belonged to a very questionable group of friends. Around September of 2014, I would always hang out with my best friend Elizabeth, her boyfriend Anthony, and Anthony's best friend Hunter, and their other friend Matt. When I first joined the friend group, I thought Hunter was very cute, and I wanted to get to know him some more. He was bearded with tattoos and had a nose ring. I thought he was the most handsome guy ever. The three of the guys were in a pop-punk band, so we would always hang out at band practice. Anthony played guitar, Hunter played bass, and Matt was the singer. I don't recall the drummer and other guitarist names, but they're not very important in this story. After practice, we would all hang out around empty parking lots, parks, and Hunter's mom's house, too. His mom was never home, so it was an anything-goes kind of environment. The guys would all get stoned and drunk and act like idiots while Elizabeth and I would just hang out. She eventually told me that Matt was interested in dating me, but I told her that he wasn't really my type. He seemed like a nice guy, but that was all he really was. A nice guy. I had my eyes set on Hunter. He was more of a player bad boy type, and I think I just wanted to change him. After a month of the five of us hanging out, Hunter and I decided to start seeing each other, but he would never let us have a deeper relationship. October had just come around, and I was very excited to get into the Halloween festivities with my group of friends. They knew a bunch of people in our town throwing Halloween parties. One night before a party, Hunter was supposed to pick me up, but of course he stood me up. I was so upset when I saw him post himself at the party on Instagram. I was about to change and get into bed when I received a knock at my door. It was Matt. Uh, hey Matt, I said, what's up dude? He told me that he was hoping to see me at the party, but I didn't show up. When I told him about Hunter, he started to shake his head and tell me that Hunter always does this. He's not the best guy when it comes to girls. You can do better, he told me. He then offered to take me for a ride and maybe hang out in the park. I agreed to this since I was already dressed and I didn't want to spend the night alone. He took me to the park and we got into a very deep conversation. You know, I've dealt with a toxic love interest too, he said. She was my best friend in high school and we spent every waking day together, but she just only wanted to be friends. I took her to our school's homecoming, and she would even tell me that she wished all men were like me. I asked him what happened to her, and he told me that his constant acts of kindness were just never enough. He didn't really go into detail, but he did say that they can no longer communicate, and that she's having a kid with some idiot. He used really mean names when talking about her, He would call her things like loser and slut, which seemed really harsh coming from Matt, but I didn't try and overthink it. I mean, he had the right to be heard, I guess. The conversation got really weird when he randomly told me that I was much prettier than her. He also began to ask me personal questions about Hunter and I. He asked if we ever had sex and just really personal questions. We had actually never had sex, And when I told Matt that, he told me it was a good thing. You should definitely hold off on sleeping with Hunter. I know you aren't some kind of whore that spreads your legs to guys like him. He then went on a rant about how he was still a virgin and how badly he wanted to lose his virginity to a good girl who could be his wife. I went home later that night and I thought long and hard about some of the advice Matt gave me. I knew in my heart that I would break things off with Hunter, but to my surprise, he texted me the next day to break things off himself. Just a few hours after we broke up, I got a call from Matt. Hey, I heard about you and Hunter. His loss. Trust me, you'll bounce back and you'll meet a great guy eventually, he said. Hey, while we're on the phone, why don't we go to dinner? He asked. I couldn't really think of an excuse to bail, so I just accepted. He then told me he would be over very soon. I wasn't expecting it, but Matt showed up maybe like six minutes after I hung up on the phone, almost as if he was already in my neighborhood before he called. I told him I had to get ready and to just wait on my couch in my living room. Then my mom was in the kitchen doing dishes. I had heard him introduce himself and he began to take over the dishes. A lady like you should rest. Why don't you let me handle the dishes? He told my mom. This made me a little uncomfortable, but I let it slide. After about 15 minutes of getting ready, I stepped into the living room to see him going through my record collection near the record player in our living room. He was holding on to my Taylor Swift record, and began to stare in my eyes and began singing a song very loudly to me. This made me so uncomfortable and creeped me out. I could see my sister in the kitchen cringing and trying not to laugh. He kept going for what seemed like half an hour until I then giggled and said we should be leaving. The entire car ride consisted of mad talking smack on Hunter, which was just what I needed in that moment. Hunter wasn't exactly my favorite cup of tea at the time. At the restaurant, he was very polite and had great manners. He even paid for our meal and kept me entertained with jokes. By the end of the night, he dropped me off, and when he hugged me goodbye, he forcefully kissed me. I didn't know what to do, so I just laughed awkwardly. The next few days were, well, rough. He would show up every day with flowers as if we were dating. He would leave creepy love notes in my car, mailbox, and taped to my window. I knew this could only go on for so long, so I knew that I had to break things off with him. I tried to ask Elizabeth to tell him I wasn't interested and that I needed space, but she was kind of a bitch about it. You need to tell him in order to spare his feelings. Adults don't get other adults to break up for them. She would say, The saddest part was that I wasn't even dating him. It was like he was forcing himself to be my boyfriend beyond my will. After a few days of not texting him back and ignoring his calls, I had woken up to a frightening encounter. I opened my eyes in the middle of the night, and I could see Matt standing by my window. He had this blank smile on his face. I screamed, and he then came into my room through my window. He said, You don't want to wake up your hard-working mother, do you? I hadn't heard from you today, and I was worried sick, so when I came by I couldn't help but watch you sleep. You look so beautiful and peaceful. Sorry for waking you. I told him that he had to go and that I didn't want him to come over again. Matt had finally got the hint that he was being a little pushy and that he was getting out of hand. Or at least I thought so. On Halloween night, Elizabeth Anthony and I went to a friend's costume party, where we were all dressed up and having a great time. There was a ton of people in costume, so it started to get hard to tell who was who. I noticed a man in a full-body Ninja Turtle costume. He was kind of alone, but would wave at me every time I would see him. Whenever I would try and approach him, he would somehow quickly disappear. I ended up getting pretty hammered after a few rounds of beer pong so I was getting ready to head home. I let Morgan know that I was going upstairs to use the restroom and that I'd meet her outside when I was done. Whenever I was finished, I then stepped into the long empty hallway to see the man in the Ninja Turtle costume. He started to walk towards me very quickly and before I knew it, he then shoved me in the bathroom and then locked the door. He then unmasked himself to then reveal that he was mad. I've missed you, he told me. It's good to know that I'll finally be losing my virginity tonight. Thanks, slut. Now do what you're good at. He then pulled his pants down, and he had also pulled out a printed image of Hunter's face, and then set it down on the countertop. Just look at him while I'm screwing you, and you'll never know the difference. I screamed. He covered my mouth and told me to be quiet. I then kicked him in the groin and then screamed at the top of my lungs. He then put his Ninja Turtle mask right back on and then ran out of the hallway before anyone could come. I just stayed in the bathroom crying and screaming until someone came to help. Thankfully, nothing else happened to me that night. I eventually told all of Matt's friends about this incident and they all cut him off. The band eventually broke up, and so did our group of friends. Matt hasn't been present on social media ever since. I have no idea what he's up to anymore, and I don't care to find out. Hey everyone, I hope you all enjoyed these stories. If you ever want to submit your own, you can do so at southerncannibal.com. Have a good night everyone, and remember, to always, stay.